0: Hello, I'm Leslie Betts and with me today are Carol and Brian Peterson. We are members of the Opiongo Readers Theatre and we're here today at the old train station in Barry's Bay with a show called Love and Marriage. It's not so much an homage to St. Valentine's Day as it is an insight into the sometimes giddy world of romance. We've all seen those Hallmark movies, or indeed Hollywood blockbusters, where boy meets girl, boy loses girl, and eventually, after many trials and tribulations, boy gets girl. Or at the very least, some politically correct variation where somebody hooks up with somebody who then turns out to be an alien. Well, that's not going to happen in our show. Rather, for inspiration, we've turned to one of the great writers of all time. Anton Chekhov, that wily Russian playwright who's known the world over for such serious dramas as The Cherry Orchard, Uncle Vanya, and The Seagull. What's not so well known is Chekhov's wicked sense of humor. So today, we thought we'd change all of that by bringing you three adaptations of his most hilarious one-act plays. In one way or another, they all deal with that complex, sometimes ridiculous, but always thoroughly misunderstood relationship between the sexes, known by most of us as romance. But don't be fooled. If Chekhov sometimes sounds like he could have taught Monty Python a thing or two about comedy of the absurd, that wily old Russian always has some deeper meaning up his giddy sleeve. So, in honor of St. Valentine's Day, we give you three giddy works of romance by Anton Chekhov. The first, a tragedian in spite of herself. And a word of warning, we've adapted it slightly from the original Russian, so it sounds a bit closer to home.
1: Oh, my dear sister, I'm glad to see you found the place. Of course, yes, I'll most certainly come in. Hope everything in Madawaska is is to your liking. Oh, it's not everybody who gets to spend a summer here. Oh, I want to ask you something. Could could you lend me your husband's revolver till tomorrow? Be a good sister. What do you want a revolver with? Oh. Give me something to drink. Water. Quickly. I must have it. I've got to go through a dark wood tonight up in the park. So in case of accidents, do, please, lend it to me. Oh, you
0: liar, Ivanka. What the devil have you got to do in the park tonight? I expect you're up to something. I can see by your face that you're up to something. What's the matter with you? Are you ill? Wait a moment. (laughs) Let me catch my breath.
1: Oh, I am dog tired. I've got a feeling all over me and in my head as well, as if I've been roasted on a spit. I can't stand it any longer. Be a friend and don't ask me any questions or insist on details. Just give me the revolver. I beseech you.
0: Ivanka, what cowardice is this? You, the mother of a family and a civil servant holding a responsible post. For shame. Oh,
1: what sort of a mother of a family am I? I'm a martyr. I'm a beast of burden. A slave. A hot mess who keeps on waiting here for something to happen. Instead of starting off for the next world. I'm a rag. A fool. An idiot. Why am I alive? Oh, what's the use? <sighs> Tell me, why am I alive? What's the purpose of this uninterrupted series of mental and physical sufferings. I understand being a martyr to an idea, yes, but to be a martyr to a family, friends, relatives, good Samaritan to people I don't even know. No, I humbly decline. No, 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 I've had enough, enough. Don't shout. The neighbors will hear you. Oh, let your neighbors hear. It's all the same to me. If you don't give me that revolver, somebody else will. And there will be an end of me
0: anyway. I've made up my mind. Hold on. Speak calmly. I still don't understand what's so wrong with your life. What's wrong? You ask me what's wrong? (laughs) Very well.
1: I'll tell you everything. And then perhaps my soul will be lighter. Now listen, oh, I'm still out of breath. Let's just take today for instance. Yeah, let's just take today. As you know, I've got to work at the ministry from eight to four. It's hot, it's stuffy, there's flies. And my dear sister, the very dickens of chaos. The superintendent is on leave. Krapov has gone to get married, and the small fry are mostly out and about, making love under pine trees, or hidden in lilac bushes, or occupied with amateur theatricals. Everybody is so sleepy, tired, and done up. You can't get any sense out of them. The superintendent's duties are in the hands of an incompetent individual who's deaf in the left ear and in love. The public has lost its memory. Everybody is running about, angry and raging. And there's such a hullabaloo at the visitor center, you can't hear yourself speak. Confusion and smoke everywhere. And my work is deathly. Always the same. Always the same. First a correction. Then a reference check. Another correction. Another reference check. It's all as monotonous as the waves of the sea. One's eyes, you understand, simply crawl out of one's head. Oh, give me some water. You come out a broken, exhausted woman. You would like to dine and fall asleep, but you don't. You remember that you live near Whitney. That is, you're a slave, a rag, a bit of string, a bit of limp flesh, and you've got to run around and do errands. Where we live, a pleasant custom has grown up. When a woman goes to Barry's Bay, every wretched inhabitant, not to mention one's own husband, has the power and the right to give you her a bouquet of commissions. The husband orders you to run down to a Felsky's, To curse the sales lady for for selling a shirt too long, a coat too short, boots not wide enough, and slippers much, much too furry. Then, on to Steadman's, where little Sonia wants some art supplies. Your son wants a silk tie. Just wait. I'll read you. A globe for a coal oil lamp. One pound of rooster feathers? For fly tying, some putty, plaster of Paris, castor oil for Misha, 10 pounds of dry cement. To bring from home, a jar for the feathers, carbolic acid, bug spray, 12 bottles of beer. (sighs) To purchase, axle oil, size 12 hip waders, and to bring home Misha's coat and galoshes if they are properly mended. That is the order, just from my husband and family. Oh, then there are the commissions of our dear friends and neighbors, devil take them. Tomorrow is the birthday of Vanya. I have to buy a new bicycle for him. The wife of Staff Sergeant Voldoc is in an interesting condition, so I am therefore bound to call in the doctors and invite her to come by for tea, and so on so on and so on. There are five notes like this in my pocket. And so, my dear sister, I spend my time between away from my office, not at home, but in my car, running about town like a dog with its tongue hanging out, running and running and cursing my life, from the clothing store to the pharmacy. From the pharmacy to the hardware store, from the hardware store to the supermarket, then back to the pharmacy. In one place, you stumble. In a second, you lose your money. In a third, you forget to pay, and they raise a hue and cry after you. And in a fourth, you splash some lady's dress in the parking lot. You get so shaken up from all this that your bones ache. All night and you dream of crocodiles. Well, you've made all your purchases. How are you to pack all these things? For instance, how are you to put a heavy copper jar together on the back seat with a lamp globe or carbolic acid next to the tea? How are you to carry a case of beer bottles, ten pounds of cement, and a child's bicycle all in one go? It's the labors of Hercules, I tell you, a puzzle, a horrible conundrum. One of many dozens with each trip, with each new day. Whatever tricks you think of, in the long run, you're bound to smash or scatter something. You juggle as you try to find your car keys at the tailgate. With your arms holding on for dear life to a pyramid of jittery parcels, one under your chin with card boxes and paper bags ripping everything tipping over and finally flying off you like sprouting sunflowers everything falling down all around you ah the car starts other drivers begin yelling at you pointing at some bag on the rooftop or something behind your back fender they yell they call for the stock boy wrangling shopping carts They threaten you to have your driver's license revoked. But what can I do? I just grab the steering wheel and blink my eyes like a whacked donkey and leave the whole mess behind me. (sighs) Now listen to this. I get home. You'd think I'd like to have a nice little glass of wine after my righteous labors and a good square meal. Isn't that so? But there's no chance of that. My husband has been on the lookout for me for some time. I hardly start my soup when he has his claws into me, wretched slave that I am. And wouldn't you like to go to a show or a dance? You can't protest. You're a wife. And the word wife, when translated in the language of people who live in this wilderness, means a dumb beast, which you can load to any extent without fear of the interference of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. So, you blink at some stupid romantic comedy, some movie that is hilarious only for the people who made it. You applaud when your husband tells you to, or else laughing he jabs you in the ribs and you feel worse and worse and worse until you expect an apoplectic fit to happen at any moment. If you go to a dance, you have to find partners for your husband. And, if there's a shortage of them, then you have to tramp out on the floor and pretend to line dance or hokey pokey with him yourself. And when you get home after midnight from the movie or the dance, you're no longer a woman, but... A useless, limp rag. Well, at last you've got what you want. You unrobe and get into bed. It's excellent. You can close your eyes and sleep. Everything's so nice and warm, you understand. There are no children squealing beyond the bedroom walls. And you've got rid of your husband. And your conscience is clear. What more can you want? You fall asleep. And suddenly, you hear a buzz. (laughs) Mosquitoes! It's one of the plagues of where people come to spend their summers. Worse than the tortures of the Inquisition. It sounds so pitiful, so pathetic. It's as if it's begging your pardon. But the villain stings, so that you have to scratch yourself for hours afterwards. So, you get up finally, maybe even smoke, or go for them with a fly swatter, chasing them around your bedroom. But in the end, you cover yourself from head to foot, but it's no good. At last, you have to sacrifice yourself and let the damned cursed things devour you, bite by bite you've no sooner got used to those mosquito bites when another plague begins. Downstairs, your husband begins practicing his guitar with his two tone-deaf friends who have nothing better to do than come over and disturb your sleep. Of course, those friends sleep by day and rehearse for amateur concerts by night. Oh my God! Their voices are a torture which no mosquito on earth can compare freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose, nothing don't mean nothing, honey, if it ain't free busted, flat and back and on and on, oh, the beastly things, they've about killed me, so as to deafen myself a little, I do this I drum on my ears, this goes on till four o'clock in the morning oh, give me some water sister, Wow. Well, Not having slept, you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Off you go to the park. You run so as not to be late. And it's muddy, foggy, cold. (sniffs) Then after work, you go back to town, start all over again. So, sister, it's a horrible life. I wouldn't wish one like it on my worst enemy. You understand, I'm ill got asthma and heartburn. I'm always afraid of something. I've got indigestion. Everything is thick before me. I've become a regular psychopath. There's some devil in me, sister. In moments of despair and suffering, when the mosquitoes are stinging or the men sing, everything suddenly grows dim. You jump up. And race around the whole house like a lunatic and shout, I want blood! Blood! And really, all the time, you do want to stick a knife into somebody. (laughs) Or hit somebody over the head with a chair. (laughs) That's what life in the park leads to. And nobody has any sympathy for me. And everybody seems to think it's all as it should be. People even laugh. But understand, I'm a living being, and I want to live. This isn't farce. It's tragedy, I say. If you don't give me your revolver, you might at any rate sympathize. Well, I do sympathize. Ha! I see how you sympathize. Hmm, goodbye. I've got to go to town to buy some anchovies and sausage and toothpaste and then do a Falski's. Where exactly do you
0: live? Just west of Whitney, along the river. I thought you knew. Really? Oh, no, I didn't. All of my letters to you were addressed only to the park, but Whitney, where Olive Finberg lives, do you know her? Yes, uh, a bit. Not like we're friends, though. Oh, how Perfectly splendid. That's so convenient, and it would be so good of you. What's that? My dear sister, wouldn't you do one little thing for me? Be a friend. Promise me now. What's that? It would be such a friendly gesture. I implore you, my dear sister. In the first place, please give Olive my very kind regards. In the second place, there's a little thing I'd like you to take up to her. She asked me to lend her my sewing machine for the summer, but I haven't anybody to send it up to her. Oh, you take it, my dear. And you might, at the same time, take up this canary in its cage. Only do be careful or you'll break the door. What are you looking at me like that for? A sewing machine? A canary in a cage? Ivanka, what's the matter with you? Why are you turning purple?
1: Give me the sewing machine! Give me the bird cage Now, why don't you jump on my back? Why don't you just ride me like a donkey? Kick me to pieces! Kill me! I want blood! You've gone mad!
0: I want blood! Blood! Stop chasing me! You've gone mad! Peter! Maria! Where are you? Help me! I want blood! Blood! Blood. Of course, nobody said married life was easy. Especially if there are children, in-laws, friends, neighbors, and full-time jobs involved. Still, it's a wonder anybody gets married at all anymore. What with the bad reputation that married life sometimes gets. But we all know that negative view is just put out there by divorce lawyers to drum up business. Still, it is a mystery that two people ever get around to falling in love. It's nowhere near a rational process. We all know that. Sometimes, though, when Cupid pushes us off that cliff, it's a lot more irrational for some. Here is another one of Chekhov's tales of what happens when love and romance seems hell-bent to go flying off the rails. It's called The Proposal.
1: My dear fellow, who do I see? Ivan Vasilievich? Now this is a
2: surprise. How are you? Very well, thank you. And how are you getting on? We get along somehow, thanks to your
1: prayers. Sit down, please do. Now, you know, you shouldn't forget all about your neighbours. My dear fellow, why are you... So formal in your get-up. Evening dress, gloves, and and so on.
2: Can you be going somewhere? No, no, I've, uh, I've only come to see you.
1: Well, then why are you in evening dress? As if you're paying a New Year's
2: Eve visit? Well, well, you see, you see, it's like this. I've come to you with a request. Not once or twice have I already had the privilege of applying to you for help. And you've always, well, so to speak, may May I ask you your pardon? I'm getting excited. I, th- I think I'll have a little drink.
1: He's come to borrow money. shan't give him any. What is it, my good friend?
2: Well, well you see, I beg your pardon. I, I mean, I'm awfully excited. In short, you alone can help me. Though I don't deserve it, of course, and I haven't any right to count on your assistance.
1: Oh, oh don't go round and round. Spit it out. Well?
2: One moment, uh, this very minute. The fact is, I've come to ask for your hand of your daughter in marriage.
1: <gasps> Natalia! Oh, she'll be so pleased. Ivan Vasilievich, say it again. I, I didn't hear it oh, all.
2: Oh, I, I have the honor to ask. <gasps> my,
1: I, my dear fellow, I'm so glad. Yes, indeed. I've been hoping for it for a long time. Oh, it's been my continual desire... And I've always thought well of you, Ivan, as if you were my own son. May God give you both his help and his love. I did so much hope. Oh, what am I behaving in this idiotic way for? I'm off my rocker with joy, absolutely off my rocker. Oh, with all my soul, I'll go and call Natasha.
2: Do you think I may count on on her consent?
1: Why, of course, and as if she wouldn't consent. She's in love, I say. She's a lovesick cat. Shan't be long.
2: It's cold. Oh, I, I'm trembling all over. <sighs> I'm, I, I, must, I must have my mind made up. If I give myself time to think, to hesitate, to talk a lot, to look for an ideal or for real love, then I'll never get married. Ooh, it's cold. Natalia is an excellent housekeeper, Hmm, not bad-looking, well-educated, so what more do I want? But I get get a noise in my ear from excitement. Well, it's, it's impossible for me not to marry. In the first place, I'm already 35, a very critical age, so to speak. In the second place, I ought to lead a quiet and regular life. I suffer from palpitations. I'm excitable. And I get awfully upset. At this, very moment, at this very moment, my lips are trembling, and there's a twitch in my right eyebrow. And the very worst of all is the way I sleep. Oh, I no sooner get to bed and begin to nod off when suddenly something in my left side gives a pull. And then I can feel my head and my shoulder. And I jump up like a lunatic, and I walk around a bit, and then I lay down. But as soon as I get to go, to go off to sleep, there's another pull. And this happens 20 times, maybe more, a night.
0: Well, well, it's you. Mama said, go, there's a merchant come for his goods. How do you do, Ivan Vasilievich?
2: Oh, how do you do, honored Natalia?
0: Oh, you you must excuse my apron and work clothes. We're shelling peas for drying. Why haven't you been here for such a long time? Sit down. Won't you have some lunch? Uh, No,
2: thank you. I've had some already.
0: Then have a smoke. Here are some matches. Oh the weather is splendid now but yesterday it was so wet that the workmen didn't do anything all day How much hay have you stacked Oh just think I felt greedy and I had a whole field cut and now I'm not at all pleased about it because I'm afraid my hay may rot I ought to have waited a bit But what's this Why you're in evening dress Well I never Are you going to a ball or what now, I must say, you, you do look better. Tell me, why are you all got up like that?
2: Oh, oh well, well, you see, Honored Natalia, the fact is, I've made up my mind to, to ask you. Um, hear me out, of course. Of course, you'll be surprised and, and maybe a little angry, but, boy, it's cold in here.
0: What uh, is the matter?
2: Well? Well, well I'll, try, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to be brief. Uh, you must know, Honored Natalia, that I have long, I have that I have long, well, since my childhood, in fact, had the privilege of knowing your family. My late aunt and her husband, for whom, as you know, I inherited all my land, always had the greatest respect for your mother and your late father. The Lomonovs and the Chubukovs have always been most friendly, and I might almost say, most affectionate regard for each other. And as you know, my land is a near neighbor of yours, and you will remember that my oxen meadows touch your birchwoods. Uh,
0: excuse me for interrupting you. You say my oxen meadows, but
2: are they yours? Yes, mine.
0: What are you talking about? Oxen meadows are ours, not yours.
2: No, mine, Honored Natalia.
0: Well, I never knew that before. How do you make that
2: out? How? I'm speaking of those oxen metals which are wedged between your birch woods and the burnt marsh.
0: Yes, yes. They're ours.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. You're mistaken. They're mine.
0: Just think, Ivan Vasilevich, how long have they been yours?
2: How long? Well, as long as I
0: can remember. Really? You won't get me to believe that.
2: But you can see from the documents on it, Natalia. Oxen metals. It's true were once the subject of dispute, but now everybody knows that they are mine, though there's nothing to argue about. You see, my aunt's grandmother gave the free use of these meadows in perpetuity to the peasants of your father's grandfather. In return for it, they were to make bricks for her. The peasants belonging to your grandfather's father had the free use of the meadows for forty years and had got into the habit of regarding them as their own. Well, then it happened that...
0: No, it isn't at all like that. Both my grandfather and great-grandfather reckoned that their land extended to burnt marsh, which means that oxen Meadows were ours. I don't see what there is to argue about. It's simply silly.
2: I'll show you the documents, Natalia.
0: No! You're simply joking or making fun of me. What a surprise. We've had the land for nearly 300 years, and then we're suddenly told that it isn't ours? Ivan Vasilievich. I can hardly believe my own ears. These meadows aren't worth much to me. They only come to not even 14 acres and are worth perhaps 300 rubles? But I can't stand unfairness. Say what you will, but I can't stand unfairness.
2: Oh, hear me out. I implore you. The peasants of your father's grandfather as I've already had the honor of explaining to you, used to bake bricks for my aunt's grandmother. Now, my aunt's grandmother, wishing to make them a pleasant...
0: I can't make head or tail of all this about aunts and grandfathers and grandmothers. The meadows, they're ours. Mine? Ours. You can go on proving it for days on end. You can go and put on 15 dress jackets, but I tell you, they're ours, ours, ours. I don't want anything of yours, and I don't want to give up anything of mine, so there.
2: Natalia Ivanova, I don't want the meadows, but I'm acting on principle. If you like, I'll make you a present of them.
0: I can make a present of them myself, because they're mine. Your behavior, Ivan Vasilovich, is strange to say the least. Up to this, we've always thought of you as a good neighbor, a friend even. Last year, we lent you our threshing machine. Although on that account, we had to put off our own threshing till November. But you behaved to us as if we were gypsies? Giving me my own land indeed. No, really, that's not at all neighborly. In my opinion, it's even impudent if you want to know.
2: Then you make out that I'm a, a land grabber. Madam, never in my life have I grabbed anybody else's land. And I shan't allow anyone to accuse me of having done so. Oxen meadows are
0: mine. It's not true. They're ours. Mine. I'll prove it. I'll send my mowers out to the meadows this very day. What? My mowers will be there this very day.
2: <laughs> I'll give it to them in the neck. You dare. Oxen meadows are mine.
0: Understand? They're mine. Please don't shout. You can shout yourself hoarse in your own house, but here I must ask you to restrain yourself.
2: If it, was, if it wasn't, madam, for this awful, excruciating palpitation, if my whole inside wasn't upset, I'd talk to you in a different way. Ox and Meadows
0: are mine! Ours! Mine! Ours! Mine! What's the matter? What are you both shouting at? Mama, please tell this gentleman who owns Ox and Meadows. We
2: or he?
1: The Meadows are
0: ours.
2: But please... How can they be yours? Do be a reasonable woman. My aunt's grandmother gave the meadows for temporary and free use of your grandfather's peasants. The peasants used the land for 40 years and got as accustomed to it as if if it was their own. When that happened-
1: Excuse me, you forget just this, that the peasants didn't pay your grandmother because the meadows were in dispute And now, everybody knows that they're ours. It means that you haven't seen the plan.
2: I'll prove to you that they're mine.
1: You won't prove it?
2: I shall. Mine.
1: Dear Ivan, why yell like that? You won't prove anything just by yelling. I don't want anything of yours. And don't intend to give up what I have. Why should I? And you know, my good friend, that if you propose to go on arguing about it, I'd much sooner give up the meadows to the peasants than to you there.
2: I don't understand how you have the right to give away someone else's property.
1: (sighs) You may take it that I know whether I have the right or not, because, young man, I'm not used to being spoken to in that tone of voice. I, young man, am twice your age and ask you to speak to me without
2: agitating yourself. No, you just think I am a fool and want to have me on. You call my land yours, and you want me to talk to you calmly and politely? Good neighbors don't behave like that. You're not a neighbor. You're a grabber.
0: What's that? What did you say? Mama, send the mowers out to the meadows at once. What did you say, sir? Oxen meadows are ours, and I shan't give them up. Shan't give them up. Shan't give them up.
2: Ha-ha, we shall see. All the matter taken to court. And then I'll show you.
1: To court? Yeah, you can take it to court. I know you. You're just on the lookout for a chance to go to court. You petty fogger. All your people were like that. All of them.
2: (laughs) Never mind about my people. The Lomovs have all all been honorable people. And not one of them has ever been tried for embezzlement. Like your grandfather.
1: Oh, you Lomovs have had lunacy in your family. All of you. All all all. Your grandfather was a drunkard, and your younger aunt, Nastasia Mihalovna, ran away with an architect.
2: <laughs> and your mother was a humpback. <laughs> oh, something's pulling at my side. My my head. Oh, help. Oh.
0: Your father was a guzzling gambler. And there haven't been many backbiters to equal your aunt.
2: My left foot has gone to sleep. You're an intriguer. Oh. My heart, oh, and it's an open secret that before the last election, you, you, oh, I see stars.
0: Where's my hat? It's low, it's dishonest, it's
1: mean. And you're just a malicious, double-faced intriguer.
2: Oh, here's my hat. Oh, oh, my heart, my heart. Where's the door? Oh, oh, I think I'm dying. My, my foot's gone quite numb.
1: Don't set foot in my house again.
2: Take it to court.
1: We'll see.
0: Devil take him. What a rascal. What trust can one have in one's neighbors after that? The villain. The scarecrow. First he takes our land, and then he has the impudence to abuse us. A
1: blind hand. Yes, that turnip ghost has the confounded cheek to make a proposal. A proposal.
0: What proposal?
1: Oh, why... He came here so as to propose to you. To propose? To me? Why didn't you tell me? So he dresses up in evening clothes, the stuffed sausage, the wizen faced frump. To propose? To me? Oh, bring it back, back, bring it back here. Bring home here. Quick, quick. Oh, I'm ill. Oh, fetch him. What's that? What's what's the matter with you? Oh, unhappy woman that I am.
0: I'm dying. Fetch him. <sighs> At once. Don't yell. What have they done to me? Fetch him back. Fetch him. He's
1: coming. He's coming. Devil, take him. Oh, talk to him yourself. I don't fetch want Fetch him. He's coming, I tell you. Oh, what a burden, Lord, to be the mother of a grown-up daughter. We cursed him, abused him, drove him out, and it's all you. No, it was you. I tell you, it's not my fault. You talked to him yourself.
2: Oh, my, my my heart is palpitating awfully. Oh, my foot's gone to sleep again. Oh, there's something pulling me on my left side.
0: Oh. <laughs> Give us Ivan Vasilevich. We were all just a little heated. I remember now. Oxen Meadows really are yours.
2: Oh my, my my heart's beating up. My meadows? Oh, oh. Oh, my eyebrows. They're both twitching.
0: The meadows are yours. Yes, they're yours. Now sit down. We were so wrong.
2: Oh. Oh, I did it on principle. My land is worth little to me. But the principal... Yes,
0: yes, the principal. Just so. Now, let's talk of something else.
2: Uh, I have evidence. My aunt's grandmother <laughs> gave the land to your father's grandfather's peasant.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Let's let that pass. Oh, I wish I knew how to get him started. Um, are you going to start hunting soon?
2: Oh, oh yes, I, I think I'm having... I think of having a go at the ducks, Honored Natalia, after the harvest. Have you heard? Just think what a misfortune I've had. My dog, guess who you know, has gone lame.
0: Oh, what a pity. Why?
2: Oh, I don't know. He must have got it twisted or bitten by some other dog. My very best dog, to say nothing of the expense, I gave Moronov... A hundred and twenty-five rubles for him.
0: Oh, that was too much, Ivan Vasilovich.
2: Oh, I think it was cheap. He's a first-rate dog.
0: Well, Papa gave 85 rubles for Squeezer, and Squeezer is heaps better than Guess.
2: <laughs> squeezer better than Guess? <laughs> what an idea. A squeezer better than Guess.
0: <laughs> of course he's better. Of course, Squeezer is young. He may develop a bit, but on points and pedigree. He's better than anything that even Volchewski has got.
2: Huh. Excuse me, Tantalia, but you forget that Squeezer has an overbite. And an overbite always means the dog is a bad hunter.
0: Overbite, is it? Now, that's the first time I hear it.
2: His lower jaw is shorter than his upper.
0: Oh, have you measured?
2: Yes. He's all right for following, of course. But if you want him to get a hold of anything... In
0: the first place... Squeezer is a thoroughbred animal, the son of harness and chisels. Well, there's no getting at the pedigree of your dog at all. He's old and as ugly as a worn-out cab horse.
2: Oh, he is old. But, But I wouldn't take five Squeezers for him. Why, how can you? Guess is a dog. As for Squeezer, well, it's too funny to argue. Anybody you like has a dog as good as Squeezer. You may find him under any bush, almost. Twenty-five rubles would be a handsome price to pay for him.
0: There is some demon of contradiction in you today, Ivan Vasilievich. First you pretend that the meadows are yours. Now the guess is better than Squeezer? You know perfectly well that Squeezer is a hundred times better than your silly guess. Why do you want to say that he isn't?
2: You must consider me either blind or a fool. You must realize that Squeezer has an overbite.
0: It's not true. It is. It's not true. Why shout, madam? Why talk rot? It's awful. It's time your guess was shot. You compare him with Squeezer.
2: Excuse me. I cannot continue this discussion. My My heart is palpitating.
0: I've noticed those hunters who argue most know the least.
2: Madam, please be silent. My heart is going to pieces. Shut up.
0: I shan't shut up until you acknowledge that Squeezer is a hundred times better than Guess.
2: A hundred times worse. Maybe hanged your Squeezer, his head, his eyes.
0: There's so- no need to hang your silly Guess. He's half dead already.
2: Shut up. My my heart is bursting.
0: I shan't shut up. What's the matter now? Mama, tell us truly. Which is the better dog? Our Squeezer or his Guess?
2: Hold up. I implore you to tell me just one thing. Is your Squeezer a dog with an overbite or not? Yes or no?
1: Suppose he has one. What does it matter? He's the best dog in the district for all that.
2: But isn't my guess better really now?
1: Oh, don't excite yourself. Your guess certainly has his good points. He's purebred, firm on his feet, well sprung ribs and all that. But my dear man, if you want to know the truth, that dog has two defects. He's old and he's short in the muzzle.
2: <laughs> Excuse me, let's take the facts. You will remember that on the Marinsky hunt, my guests ran neck and neck with the Count's dog hook, while your squeezer was left a whole acre behind.
1: He got left behind because the Count's whipper in him hit him mercilessly with his whip.
2: And with good reason. The dogs are running after a fox while Squeezer goes and starts worrying a sheep.
1: It's not true. My dear fellow, I'm very liable to lose my temper. And so, just because of that, let's stop arguing. You started because everybody is always jealous of everybody else's dogs. Yes, we're all like that. You too, sir, aren't blameless. You no sooner notice that some dog is better than your guess. Then you begin with this, that, and the other. I remember everything.
2: I remember, too.
1: <laughs> what do you remember?
2: Oh, my heart. Oh, my foot's gone to sleep. <laughs> I can. Oh. Ooh,
0: my heart. What sort of a hunter are you? You ought to go and lie in the kitchen oven and catch black beetles, not go after foxes. Oh, my heart indeed. Yes,
1: really, what sort of a hunter are you? You ought to sit at home with your palpitations and not go tracking animals. You could go hunting, but you only go to argue with people and interfere with their dogs. Let's change the subject in case I lose my temper. You're not a hunter at all, anyway. Mm
2: -hmm. Are you a hunter? You only go hunting to get in with the court and to intrigue. (laughs) With my heart, you're an intriguer.
1: What? I? An intriguer? Shut up. Intriguer? Pup. Jesuit? Shut up. (laughs) Or I'll I'll shoot you like a partridge, you fool.
2: Everybody knows that... Oh, uh, your late husband used to beat you. Oh, my God. Feet, oh, oh, my head!
1: You're under the slipper of your housekeeper.
2: There, there, there! My, my heart's burst. My shoulders come off. Where's my shoulder? Oh, I need, it. I need a doctor.
0: Boy, milk stop, fool! Oh, what sort of a hunter are you? You can't even sit on a horse, Mama. What's the matter with him, Mama? Oh, look, Mama! Ivan Vasilievich, he's dead! I'm sick! I can't breathe. Air! He's dead! I'm a Vasilovich. I'm a Vasilovich. Oh, what have you done to me? He's dead! Oh,
1: what is it now?
0: What's the matter? He's dead!
2: see stars, a mist. Uh, Where am I?
1: Oh, hurry up and get married! And... Oh, well, to the devil with you. She's willing. She's willing. I give you my blessing.
2: Me? What? Who?
1: She's willing. Kiss and be damned to you. He's alive? Yes, yes, I'm willing. I'm willing. Kiss each other.
2: Uh, kiss who? (laughs) Very, Very, very nice too. Excuse me, what's this all about? Oh, well, now I understand. Oh, my heart. Stars. Oh, Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy. Natalia, my my foot's gone to sleep.
0: I'm happy too. Oh, what a weight off my shoulders. But still, you, you will admit now that Guess is worse than Squeezer. Better. Worse.
1: That's a way to start a happy family. Have some champagne.
2: Oh, he's better.
0: Worse, worse, worse. Champagne. Champagne! (laughs) Of course, not all romance starts out with a plan, or even a proposal. Sometimes it just sneaks up on us and hits us over the head like a sack full of feathers. One minute you're going about your business, and the next? Well, let's see what happens when the business of commerce gets entangled with the commerce of love. Here in our last play of the day, simply called The Bear. It isn't right, madam. You're always looking at that photograph destroying your happiness. The footman and the cook have gone off fruit picking. Every living being is rejoicing. Even the cat understands how to enjoy yourself and walks about in the yard catching flies. Only you sit in this room all day as if it were a convent and you don't take any pleasure. Yes, really. I reckon it's a whole year that you haven't left this house.
1: Oh, I shall never go out. Why should I? My life is already at an end. He's in his grave, and I've buried myself
0: between four walls. We're both dead. Well, there you are. Nikolai Mihailovich is dead. It's the will of God. May his soul rest in peace. You've mourned him, and quite right. But you can't go on weeping and wearing morning clothes forever. My old man died too when his time came. I grieved over him. I wept for a month. And that's enough for him. But if I've got to weep and wail for a whole age, well, an old man isn't worth it. You've forgotten all your neighbors. You don't go anywhere and you see nobody. We live, so to speak, like spiders. never see the light of day. The mice have eaten my outdoor clothes. It isn't as if there were no good people around. The district's full of them. There is a regiment quartered at Riblov and the officers are such beauties you can never gaze your fill at them and every Friday there's a ball at the camp and every day the soldiers band plays. Hey, my lady, you're young and beautiful with roses in your cheek if you only took a little pleasure. Beauty won't last long, you know. In ten years' time, you'll want to be a peahen again yourself among the officers, but they won't look at you. It'll be too late.
1: I must ask you never to talk to me about it. You know that when Nikolai Mihalovich died, life lost all its meaning for me. I vowed never to the end of my days to cease to wear morning clothes or to see the light. You hear? Let us go see how well I love him. Yes, I know it's no secret to you that he was often unfair to me, cruel and and even unfaithful, but I shall be true till death and show him how I can love. There beyond the grave, he will see me as I
0: was before his death. Instead of talking like that, you ought to go and have a walk in the garden. Or else, order Toby, a giant, to be harnessed and then drive out to see some of the neighbours. Oh, madam, dear madam, what is it? Bless you. He was so fond of Toby. Oh, he
1: always used to ride on him to the Corchigans and the Blazobs. How well he could ride. Oh, what grace there was in his figure when he pulled at the reins with all his strength. Do you remember? Toby, Toby, tell them to give him an extra feed of oats.
0: Yes, madam. Who's that? Tell them I received nobody. Yes, madam.
1: Oh, you will see, Nicholas, how I can love and forgive. My love will die out with me, only when, when this poor heart will cease to beat. <gasps> oh, aren't you ashamed? I'm a good and virtuous little wife. I've locked myself in, and will be true to you till the grave. And you, aren't you ashamed, you bad child? You deceived me, had rows
0: with me, left me alone for weeks on end. Madam, somebody is asking for you. He wants to see you. But didn't you tell him that since the death of my husband, I've stopped receiving? I did, but he wouldn't listen. Says that it's a very pressing affair. I do not receive. I told him so, but the the devil curses him, pushes himself right in. He's in the dining room right now. Oh, very well. Ask him in. What manners? Oh, how these people annoy
1: me. What does he want of me? Why should he disturb my peace? no, I see that I shall have to go into a convent after all. Hmm, yes, a convent.
2: You're a better fool than a servant. You're too fond of talking. Madame Pavova, I have the honor to present myself. I am Gregory Stepanovich Smirnoff, landowner and retired lieutenant of artillery. I am compelled to disturb you on a very pressing affair.
1: What do you want?
2: Your late husband, with whom I had the honor of being acquainted, died in my debt for 1,200 rubles on two bills of exchange. As I've got to pay the interest on a mortgage tomorrow, I've come here to ask Madam to pay the money today.
1: One thousand two hundred? And what was my husband in debt to you
2: for? He used to buy oats from me.
1: Oh, Tiana, don't you forget to give Toby an extra feed of oats. If Nikolai Mihailovich died in debt to you, then I shall certainly pay you, but... You must excuse me today, as I haven't any spare cash. The day after tomorrow, my steward will be back from town. I'll give him instructions to settle your account. But at the moment, I cannot do as you wish. Moreover, it's exactly seven months today since the death of my husband, and I'm in a state of mind which absolutely prevents me from giving Money Matters my full attention.
2: And I am in this state of mind, which is if I don't pay the interest due tomorrow, it will force me to make a graceful exit with life from life feet first. Mm-hmm. They'll take my estate.
1: Oh, You'll have your money the day after tomorrow.
2: I don't want the money the day after tomorrow. I want it today.
1: You must excuse me. I can't pay you.
2: And I can't wait till after tomorrow.
1: Well, what can I do if I haven't the money today?
2: You mean to say you won't pay me?
1: I can't. Not today.
2: Hmm. Is that the last word you've got to say?
1: Yes. The last word.
2: The last word? Absolutely the
1: last word? Absolutely.
2: Ah, thank you very much. I'll make a note of it. Um... Then people want me to keep calm. I meet a man on the road, and he asks me, Why Why are you so angry, Gregory Stepanovich? But how on earth am I not to get angry? I want my money desperately. I rode out yesterday, early in the morning, and I called on all my debtors, and not a single one of them paid up. I was just about dead. After all, I I, I slept uh, goodness knows where in some inn with a vodka barrel by my head. At last I get here, 70 miles from home, and hope to get something. And I'm received by you with a state of mind. Why should I get angry?
1: I thought I distinctly said my steward will pay you when he returns from town.
2: I didn't come to see your steward, but you. What the devil, excuse me, saying so, have I got to do with your steward?
1: Excuse me, sir, I am not accustomed to listen to such expressions, or to such a tone of voice. I want to hear no more. I'm leaving.
2: Well there, hmm. now I'm on alone. <laughs> a state of mind. My husband died seven months ago. Must I pay the interest or must not I? I ask you, must I pay it or must I not? Suppose her husband is dead, and you've got a state of mind. What kind of nonsense is that? And your steward's gone away somewhere. Devil take him. What do you want me to do? Do you think I can fly away from my creditors in a balloon? Do you think I can run my head into a brick wall? I go to Khrushchev, and he isn't at home. Kostakavichus has hidden himself. I had a violent row with Khrushchev. He nearly threw me out the window. Mazugo has something the matter with his bowels. And this woman has a state of mind. Not one of the swine wants to pay me. Just because I'm too gentle with them. Because I'm just a rat, just weak wax in their hands. Uh, I'm much too gentle with them. Well, just you wait. You'll find out what I'm like. I shan't let you play about with me. Confound it, I shall jolly well stay here until she pays. Oh, how angry I am today. Hi, all my insides are quivering with anger. I can't even breathe. Oh, I even feel sick. Waiter! What is it? Ah, give me some water. What a way of reason. A man is in a desperate need of his money, and she won't pay him because, you see, she is not disposed to attend to money matters. Hmm. That's really silly feminine logic. That's why I never did like, and don't like now, to have to talk to women. I'd rather sit on a barrel of gunpowder than talk to a woman. Oh, uh. All on the, I'm cold all on account of that little bit of fluff. I can't see one of these poetic creatures from a distance without breaking into a cold sweat out of sheer anger. I can't look at them.
0: Your water, sir. Madam is ill and will see no one.
2: Get out! I will see nobody. No, it's all right you don't see me. I'm going to stay here and w- w- until, until you give me the money. You can be ill for a week if you like, and I'll stay for a week. If you're ill for a year, I'll stay for a year. I'm going to get my own, my dear. You don't get at me with your widow's weeds and your dimpled cheeks. I know those dimples. Oh, it's bad. The heat's frightful, and nobody pays up. I slept badly, and on top of everything else, here's a bit of fluff in mourning with a state of mind. My head's aching. Waiter! What is it? I, I need a glass of vodka. Ah, I must say, I, I do look well, don't I? Dust <laughs> all over, dirty boots, unwashed, unkempt, straw in my waistcoat. Huh, the dear lady may think i me taking me for a brigand. Uh, it's rather impolite for me to come into a drawing room in this state, but it can't be helped. I'm not here as a visitor, but here as a creditor. And there's no dress specifically prescribed for creditors.
0: Your vodka. You allow yourself to go very far, sir. What? I... nothing. I really...
2: Who are you talking to? Shut up.
0: The devil's come to stay.
2: Oh, how angry I am. So angry that I think I could grind the whole world into dust. I even feel sick. Waiter!
1: Sir, I can't. Stand shouting, I must ask you to not disturb my peace.
2: Pay me the money and I'll go.
1: I told you perfectly plainly, I haven't any money to spare today. Wait until day after tomorrow.
2: And I told you perfectly plainly, I don't want the money today after tomorrow, but today. If you don't pay me today, I'll have to hang myself tomorrow. <laughs>
1: What can I do if I haven't got the money?
2: Uh, Then you won't pay me now?
1: I can't.
2: In that case, I shall stay here and wait until I get it. You're going to pay me the day after tomorrow? Very well. I'll stay here until the day after tomorrow. I'll sit here all the time. But I ask you, have I got to pay the interest tomorrow, or haven't I? Or do you think I'm doing this for a joke?
1: Oh, please don't shout. This isn't a stable.
2: I wasn't asking about your stable. But whether I've got my interest to pay tomorrow or not.
1: Oh, you don't know how to behave before women.
2: Oh, I don't know how to behave before women.
1: No, you don't. You're a rude, ill-bred man. Decent people don't talk to a woman like that.
2: What a business. How do you want me to talk to you? In French? Perhaps, uh, oh, Madame Juppie, Oh, how happy I am uh, that you don't pay me. Oh, pardon me, uh, I have disturbed you uh, on such a, lo- a lovely weather today. Uh, oh, oh, how well you look in mourning. Oh, that's
1: silly and rude.
2: <laughs> silly and rude. I don't know how to behave before women. Madame, in my time, I've seen more women than you've seen sparrows. Three times I've fought duels on account of women. I've refused twelve women and nine have refused me. Yes, there was a time when I played the fool, scented myself, used honeyed words, wore jewelry, made beautiful bows. I used to love, to suffer, to sigh at the moon, to get sour, to thaw, to freeze. I used to love passionately, madly, every blessed way that the devil take me. I used to chatter like a magpie about emancipation, and wasted half of my wealth on tender feelings, but now you must excuse me. You won't get me round like this now. I've had enough. Black eyes, passionate eyes, ruby lips, dimpled cheeks, the moon whispers, timid breathing. I wouldn't give you a brass farthing for the lot, madam. Present company always accepted. All women, great or little, are insincere, crooked, backbiters, envious liars to the marrow of their bones. Vain, trivial, merciless, unreasonable, and as far as this is concerned. Excuse my outspokenness, but a sparrow can give you ten more points of IQ to any philosopher in petticoats that you might like to name. You look at one of those poetic creatures, you may have a million transports of joy and look into her soul and see a common crocodile. But the most disgusting thing of all is that crocodile, for some reason or not, imagine that its chief work is privilege and monopoly, in its tender feelings why confounded hang me on a scaffold feet upwards if you like but have you met a woman who can love anybody except a lapdog, while a man is suffering and making sacrifice all her love expresses itself her playing about with her scarf and trying to hook him firmly by the nose you have the misfortune to be a woman you know for yourself that that is the nature of a woman Tell me truthfully, have you ever seen a woman who was sincere, faithful, and constant? Ha! You haven't. Only freaks and old women are faithful and constant. You meet a cat with a horn or a white woodcock sooner than a constant woman.
1: According to you, then, who is faithful and constant in love? Is it a man?
2: Yes, a man.
1: (laughs) A man! (laughs) Men are faithful and constant in love? what an idea. What right of you to talk like that? Men are faithful and constant? since we're talking about it, I'll tell you that of all the men I knew and know, the best was my late husband. I loved him passionately with all my being. As only a young and imaginative woman can love, I gave him my youth, my happiness, my life, my fortune. I breathed for him. I worshipped him as if I were a heathen. And, and what then? Oh, this best of men shamelessly deceived me at every step. After his death, I found in his desk a whole drawer full of love letters. When he was alive, he used to leave me alone for weeks at a time and make love to other women and betray me before my very eyes. He wasted my money and made fun of my feelings. And in spite of all that, I loved him and was true to him. And not only that, but now that he's dead, I'm still true and constant to his memory. I shut myself forever within these four walls and will wear these mourning weeds to to the very end.
2: (laughs) Weeds. I don't understand what you take me for. If you don't know why you wear that black domino and bury yourself between these four walls, I should say I did. This is so mysterious, so poetic. When some junker or some tame poet goes past your window, he'll think, Oh, there lives lives the mysterious Tamara, who for the love of her husband buried herself between four walls. We know these games.
1: How? How dare you say that to me?
2: You may have buried yourself alive, but you haven't forgotten to powder your face.
1: How dare you speak
2: to me like that? Oh, please don't shout. I'm not your steward. You must allow me to call things by their real names. I'm not a woman. I'm used to saying what I think. Straight out. Don't you shout either.
1: I'm not shouting. It's you. Oh, please leave me alone.
2: Pay me the money, and I'll go.
1: I shan't give you any money.
2: Oh, no, you will.
1: I shan't give you a farthing, just to spite you. Now, leave me alone.
2: I have not the pleasure of being either your husband or your fiancé. So please, don't make scenes. I don't like it.
1: So you just stand there and refuse to leave? I do. Ask you to go away.
2: Give me the money.
1: I don't want to talk to impudent scoundrels. Get out of this house. Aren't you going? Uh, no. No? Uh, no. Very well, then.
0: Diana, <phone rings> show this gentleman out. Would you mind leaving, sir, as Da-da. you've been asked to? Good gracious. Oh, people? Where's Dasha? Dasha! <laughs> They've all gone out to pick fruit. There's nobody else at home! Oh, get
1: out of this house right now!
2: Uh, can't you be more polite?
1: <gasps> you're a boar! A coarse bear!
2: What? What did you say?
1: I said you're a bear!
2: I may ask, uh, what right do you have to insult me?
1: Suppose I am insulting you. Do you think I'm afraid of you?
2: Do you think just because you're a poetic creature you can insult me with impunity? We'll fight it out. Good gracious. Pistols.
1: Do you think I'm afraid of you just because you have large fists and a bull's throat, eh? You
2: bear. (laughs) We'll fight it out. I'm not going to be insulted by anybody. And I don't care if you are a woman. One of the fair sex, (gasps) indeed. Bear! 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 (laughs) It's about time we've got a bit of these prejudices that only men need pay for their insults. Yeah, we'll take it. If you want equality of rights, you can have it. We're going to fight it out.
1: With pistols? Very well.
2: Oh, this very minute.
1: This very minute. My husband had some pistols. I'll bring them here. What pleasure it will give me to put a bullet into your
0: thick head. Devil take you.
2: (laughs) I'll bring her down like a chicken. I'm not a little boy or a sentimental puppy. I don't care about this softer sex.
0: Gracious me. Oh, have pity on a poor old woman and go away from here. You frightened her to death, and now you want to shoot her?
2: If she fights, well, that's the equality of rights. Emancipation and all that. Here the sexes are equal. I'll shoot her on principle. But what a woman. Devil take you. I'll put a bullet in this thick head. <laughs> How she reddens now that her cheeks are shine? Hmm. She accepted my challenge. Oh, my word, that's the first in my time in my life I've ever seen...
0: Go away, sir, and I'll always pray to God for you. Hmm.
2: She's a woman. Hmm. That's the sort I can understand, a, a real woman, not a sour-faced jelly bag, but fire and gunpowder, a real rocket. Oh, I'm even sorry I have to kill her.
0: Oh, dear, <laughs> dear, sir, do go away. Absolutely, I like her.
2: Absolutely. Even though her cheeks are dimpled, I like her. I'm almost ready to let her, her death go. Hmm. I'm not angry anymore. Oh, what a wonderful woman.
1: Here are the pistols. But before we fight, you must show me how to fire. I've, I've never held a pistol in my hands before.
0: Oh, Lord, have mercy and save her. Oh, I'll go and find the coachman in the garden. Why has this infliction come on us?
2: Well, well. you see, there are several kinds of pistols. There are Mortimer pistols, especially made for duels. They fire a percussive cap. There are Smith & Wesson revolvers, triple action with extractors. Oh, these are excellent pistols. They can't cost less than 90 rubles for the pair. Uh, you hold the revolver like this. Her eyes. Oh, what an inspiring woman. Like
1: this? Yes,
2: yes, yes, like this. Then you cock the trigger... And take aim like this. Put your head back a little bit. No, no. hold your arm out properly. Like that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then press this with your little finger. That's all. The great thing is to keep cool and aim steady. Try not to jerk your arm.
1: Very well, but it seems so inconvenient to shoot you in a a room. Let's go into the garden.
2: Come along then. But I warn you, I'm going to fire into the air.
1: That's the last straw. Why?
2: Well, because... Because it's my affair.
1: Are you afraid? Ah, oh, no, sir. You don't get out of it. You come with me. I shan't have any peace until I've made a hole in your forehead, that forehead which I hate so much. Are you afraid?
2: Yes, uh, yes, I am afraid.
1: Oh, you lie! Why don't you fight?
2: Because, be, because uh, I like you. <laughs>
1: he likes me? He dares to say that he likes me? Oh, to the garden. That's the way.
2: Listen, are you still angry? I'm devilishly annoyed, but 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 do you understand how I can express myself? The fact is, you see, it's it's like it's like this, so to speak. Well, it's my fault that I that I like you. Double take it, I like you. Do You understand? Almost. Uh, I think I almost uh, love you.
1: Oh, get away from me! I hate you.
2: God, what a woman! I've never <laughs> in my life seen one like her. I'm lost. Done for. Fallen into a mouse trap, just like a mouse.
1: Stand back, or I'll fire.
2: Fire, then. You can't understand what happiness it would make me to die before those beautiful eyes, to be shot by a revolver held in that little velvet hand. I'm out of my senses. I think I, I think I made up my mind at once, because if I go out, I shall never see each other again. Decide now. I'm a landowner of respectable character, have an income of 10000 a year, and I can put a bullet through a tossed coin into the air as it comes down. I own some fine horses. Will you be my wife?
1: Oh, let's fight! To the garden!
2: I understand nothing. Waiter, water!
1: Let's, let's go out and fight!
2: I'm off my head. I'm in love like a little boy, like a fool. I love you. I love you as I've never loved before. I've refused 12 women, 9 have refused me, but I never loved one of them as much as I love you. I'm weak. I'm wax. I've melted. I'm on my knees like a fool. Shame. Shame I haven't been in love for five years. I've taken a vow. Then all of a sudden, I'm in love. Like a fish out of water. I offer you my hand. Yes? No? Do you want me? Very well.
1: Stop! Well? nothing go away no stop no go away go away oh i hate you no go away oh if you knew how angry i am oh how angry i am my fingers have swollen because of all this oh what are you waiting for get out yes yes go away where are you going no stop no no go away oh how angry i am don't come near me! Don't come near me!
2: How angry I am with myself. I'm in love like a student. I'm on my knees. I love you. What do you want me to fall in love with you for? Tomorrow, I've got to pay my interest and begin bowing. And here you...
1: Get away from me! Take your hands away! Oh, I hate you! Oh, let's go and fight! Oh, good
0: gracious!
1: Tiana, tell them in the stables that Toby is not to have any oats at all today. <laughs>
0: If you think you heard two pistol shots at the end of that last scene, we can assure you that nothing untoward took place. No one was shot through the heart with anything other than Cupid's arrow. Today's show was performed by Carol and Brian Peterson and myself, Leslie Betts. It was produced by Barry Conway and based on the slightly adapted writing of Anton Chekhov, who is available just up the street at the Madawaska Valley Public Library where he's waiting for you to slip between his covers. Just ask our librarian. There is nothing like a giddy old Russian on a cold winter day to warm your heart. From all of us here at the Opiongo Reader's Theater, we want to wish you a very happy St. Valentine's Day and hope it's full of love and giddy romance. Thank you.